0: Welcome to Insurance Talk with Cherie Martinin and Rex LeSeur. We are the father-daughter team from Bancorp Insurance, located in beautiful downtown Lapine, Oregon. And we're here today to talk about all the fun things.
1: Insurance. Uh, Insurance. Yeah. Insurance. Yes, it's so exciting and so interesting. And we sincerely hope that you enjoy our, our little talks.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about workers' compensation.
1: Yes. What is that? Workers' compensation is a product that was developed 120 years ago, maybe even a little longer in England, that is designed to take care of employees that got hurt on the job. And this was a pretty new concept back in the, you know, the 1890s because we had never had a system for doing that in the past. Uh, the system that they had was if you got hurt on the job, that you had to sue your employer. And since most people didn't actually work for anybody, they were they worked from home, they were weavers, they, they were very real jobs, that system kind of worked marginally well. But as the Industrial Revolution got started, it stopped working. We had people working around big machines, people got injured, they were injured more seriously, and employers pretty much didn't have to do anything for them you could sue your employer, but first of all, you had to find someone who could sue your employer. Second of all, you had to win. And there are some built-in defenses for employers that pretty made it, much made it impossible for employees to sue their employer. So the grand bargain was made after a couple of riots, actually many riots, where the employees gave up their right to sue their employers for the privilege of being covered by workers' comp, which would take care of them in the event they were injured. So over the last 120 30 years, this product has developed. It hasn't changed that much. It's still really kind of, on the surface, it looks very simple, but when you get into it, it's actually a very complicated insurance product with all kinds of rules and all kinds of layers. Um, I like to say that in workers' comp is like an onion. The closer you, if you're peeling it, the closer you get to the center, the more it makes you want to cry because it gets really, really technical. and can be, there's a lot of math involved and there's a lot of nuances in uh, in workers' comp. But we're not going there today. We're going to talk about who needs to have workers' comp, and basically, if you're an employer, you need to have workers' comp. Now, that seems pretty simple, but I have people who come and tell me, "says Well, they're not really employees; they're independent contractors, so I don't need to. I'm not responsible for them as employees because I made them sign this, you know, one-page agreement saying that they were an independent contractor." Now. That's not how it works, and that's not how it works. It, it, <laughs> it is not going to work. It's just sorry, it is not going to work. There is a full page of rules, and you can find it on the internet. If you call us up, um, we don't we have it on the website?
0: I don't know if we still do it because it does change and get updated yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. But like you can go to the state website right. of whatever state you live in and mm. look up their rules. Work
1: up their rules, and the the rules pretty much follow a pattern. And the pattern is, is that if somebody is working and you are in control of when they show up, when they go home, what they do, and so on, they're an employee. If so, you
0: say you take lunch here, yeah, that's like that, a good,
1: that's a good
0: an indi- indicator good right there.
1: Indication. If you give them the tools to do the job, that's a good indicator. If you tell them what to do, that's a good indicator. An independent contractor is someone who usually works via a contract.
0: He's got, he's got his fingers up, everyone, for like if you can't, you can't see, see them. Yeah, yes, yes, air quotes Contract. Here.
1: Air quotes here. Contract. They provide their own tools. They, they can come and go as they please. The only control you have over them is to tell them what you want done and how you want it done. And so if they, an independent contractor can come in at 10 and leave at 2, if there's a deadline, well, then they obviously can't do that, but you can put a deadline on them, but you can't tell them that they have to be at the office and or at the job site at 8 a.m. They're there to do their job and then leave. And so that's an independent contractor. And if there's any question, give us a call saying, I've got these people who are you know not working for me, but they're independent contractors, but they're working on my site or working in my business. We'll pull the rules and we'll go through it and To help you determine whether or not you need to hire them, like real employees, and then cover them with workers' comp.
0: I think the other one that's really common that we hear is the independent contractor needs to have more than one contract.
1: Right. So
0: they can't just work for you and solely you Mm -hmm. and own their own hours and come and go as they please. They need to have a separate contract with another individual Mm -hmm. doing similar work.
1: Because then they're not independent if they don't.
0: Exactly. So they need that second employer or third or fourth Mm -hmm. or fifth to show that they are independent of you. Right. And that they don't rely purely on you for all, all income.
1: Yep. Now, a lot of people get away with this and they do it all the time. And they will until someone gets hurt. And then as soon as someone gets hurt, then... They want to turn a claim in saying, well, I'm I'm an employee. I won't, I got hurt. And the employer says, no, you're an independent contractor. And the employee says, well, I didn't feel like an, an independent contractor. You may have called me an independent contractor, but I i don't know. And so they go talk to an attorney. The attorney says, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go to state of Oregon. And we're going to file a claim with the state of Oregon, considering that the employer did not have workers' comp. And then all of a sudden, the state of Oregon gets involved. And the state of Oregon has some really good attorneys and some really good bureaucrats, and they will tell you if that person is an independent contractor or an employee. It is their task to make everybody an employee that they can. So if they are going to interpret the laws and the rules so that more people are considered an employee than not.
0: So that they have extra protections right. such as well,
1: it's workers' it, compensation. It, it it's, like. it's, it's, it's behooves the state to have their citizens covered by workers' comp because if they're covered by workers' comp, they're not going on public assistance because they can't work. And so the state is going to put some money on workers' comp if they can or call them an employee if there's no workers' comp. Then you are the now officially described employer are responsible for their injuries, and that can be a lot of money. I mean, if someone hurt their back or someone is...
0: Like it's it like maimed, knees, shoulders, shoulders back, death,
1: you know, death, all, all the things that, that people do when they get hurt on the job. Uh, and the state of Oregon is likely to fine you. Now, I've not seen huge fines, but I've also never seen too many cases where the individual was seriously hurt and, you know, there was hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of um,
0: you know, injuries bills. and medical mm-hmm. bills.
1: Yeah. Um, but a, a fine from three to ten thousand dollars is not unheard of. So it is important that you.
0: So do you have employees, or do you yeah, have independent contractors? contractors.
1: <laughs> it behooves you. It really does. You really should find out. You really need to look into it, because if you're trying to skate on it, it's really, really hard to skate on this. And you'll skate until you have a, until somebody gets hurt, and then.
0: And then it's a world of trouble. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's a world of trouble. So you know. Play it straight. If you think they might be an employee, they probably are.
0: And so in our area, we have SAFE.
1: Yes. The State Accident Insurance Fund.
0: S A I F. Yeah. It's spelled Yeah, it
1: Yeah. They call it, <laughs> it's, it's pronounced SAFE, but it's S A I F. Yeah. This was the, at one point, SAFE was a pure monopoly in the state of Oregon. Then the only place you could buy workers' comp was from the State Accident Insurance Fund. That monopoly got broken in the '60s, I believe, or seven, early '70s. And the reason it got broken was is that Safe was broken. They got started probably about 110 years ago, and they were they were a mess. And they had not kept up with with technology. They had not kept up with all of the things that you know insurance companies had to do because they technically weren't an insurance company; they were a state agency, and the because they weren't functioning very well, the legislature actually broke the monopoly so that independent companies could come in and um, help fix, provide a, the, the situation. At one point, and I'll, I'll just tell the story when I bought Bancorp Insurance in 1990, there was still some serious problems with the workers' comp system in Oregon. One of the problems was is that the laws that were created for workers' comp in Oregon, were basically written by the unions, the logging unions and the railroad unions, just after the turn of the century. So these laws were written in such a way that it was very difficult for the workers' comp company to deny a claim. So a lot of people would get on workers' comp, that once they figured it out, they were on workers' comp the rest of their lives, There were just these really huge claims. And that drove up the cost of workers' comp for everybody in our society. When I got here in 1990, a restaurant owner would be paying $10 per hundred of payroll or 10% of payroll for workers' comp for uh, restaurant employees. Late 80s, early 90s, there was a series of laws passed or a series of reforms passed by the state of Oregon. And because of those changes, the the cost of workers' comp has dropped significantly. Now, a a restaurant owner is going to pay, you know, $1, $1. $1.20 per hundred of payroll. And
0: I think you kind of hinted at this too, but it would be nice to talk a little bit about how workers' comp categorizes.
1: Oh, well, categorizes. Yeah, All yeah. right, let's, let's categorize. Okay, <laughs> class codes. Class codes, so anyway, like the, So, anyway, the prices dropped um, 90% for workers' comp. At one point, Oregon had the highest workers' comp prices in the country. It, and it kept industry out of the state because people would come in and they'd look at employees and, and go, no. And, and get, no, we're not going to do that here. We can't do that here. Classifications are important. There are hundreds of classifications, whether you're running a restaurant, running a clinic. Just about any kind of business has its own classification. Classifications, each one of them has a rate per hundred of payroll. These rates are determined by a company called NCCI, the National Council on Compensation, Inc., which is a for-profit company that promulgates rates for the insurance industry. And so they're the people who do this and they collect all of the loss data from each class code across the entire state. And they'd say, all right, we had this many losses. And because they can keep track of this as well, they know how much premium went into those into those classes of workers. And so they'll say, all right, restaurant workers, we need so much money in order to pay the projected claims that restaurant workers are going to have. And so we need to charge this much based on payroll with all the data that they have. This is, of course, a lot better science than it was, you know, 100 years ago. And so that's what they're doing with class codes. So it's important to know what your employees are doing.
0: I mean, it's kind of like how risky is the business as oh, well? Yeah. Like, is, is somebody sitting at a desk yeah. typing away, or are they on a roof?
1: Yeah. If you're on a roof, it's probably going to be more. If you're cutting trees down, it's probably going to be a lot more. And at one point, I remember logging. Just an example, logging was almost $40 per hundred of payroll. So you have a guy on workers' comp, and an employee, if you pay him $100, dollars you got to give the comp company $40. And with with the laws that changed in the early 90s, that has come down quite a bit. But then all of a sudden, someone says, well, you know, most loggers don't work, you know, on their feet anymore. They're driving a feller buncher or, you know, doing, you know, mechanical work they're riding around in an air conditioned um, cab, you know, cutting trees down with a machine and stacking them with a machine and someone's picks them up with a machine. And,
0: and so now it's more dangerous to be the trucker well, hauling the logs, hauling or. The logs or, <laughs> or what have you.
1: And so then they had to build another class code for mechanical logging because obviously people who were logging with. A saw. A saw and, a, a- and some horses dragging stuff through the woods. That's that changed. That has changed. It has. Yeah. So workers' comp has changed, but not really that much. It's still pretty complicated.
0: And I, I think when Rex was talking about how it's so layered and it's like an onion and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper, some of that is like those class codes. Yeah. It's like you you could say like, yeah, I fall trees and then we're like, Maybe, okay, yeah. how?
1: How? Yes, how are we going to do
0: this? <laughs> like, tell me all about it. Well, one of the
1: things that people need to be aware of when they buy workers' comp is that there's something called an experience mod. This is a very structured situation. You buy your first workers' comp policy, you have an experience mod of one. If you... Have your employees and nobody gets hurt, and you go for three or four years and there's no claims. The insurance company is going to give you a positive experience bond, which would be expressed as a fraction of one.
0: Just so much math.
1: It's just so much math. So you would have a 0. 0.6 experience bond, and that means that they're going to cut your premium by 40%. Now, let's say you have all of a sudden have some claims, next thing you know, you're the other side of that, and you have an experience bond of 1.6. Well, then your insurance just went up 60%.
0: Because they go, wow, this guy has a lot of claims. Well, this has a lot <laughs> of claims.
1: This is done on a rolling forward three-year average.
0: So they let you mess up three years in a row, or they let you be great three years uh, in a or, row. Well, <laughs> or it
1: takes three years to get un-, to get un uh, Un-messed. Un, un-messed up. Yeah. So it, this you could is- You can have one the, bad
0: accident, and then you're paying for it for-
1: Right. And this this whole process is to get employers to be safe and to make sure that they're proactive and that if you see something, say something. That you have safety meetings that you know you once a week or once a month, you sit down with your entire crew and say, All right, guys, you lift with your legs and not with your back. You you do this and do this. We oh or oh geez, Joe worked for us, you know, just did this and he cut the tip of his finger off. This is how you don't do that. Okay going through all of those if processes. If you're
0: a roofer, making sure that you hook up to the harness correctly. Yes. Are you wearing the harness correctly?
1: Yes. You know, all of those things. Talk about drug and alcohol-free workplaces and all the things. Because if you're a roofer and you're drinking, it's probably a bad, a bad combination. You know, it's just, just going to tell you. And so the experience mod is there to encourage people to, to be very, very careful what their employees are doing so that their workers' comp does not go up. And I've seen experience mods get so high that it has actually put people out of business. I've seen them in the, the 300 range. So instead of, if you have a class code that's $10 per hundred, next thing you know, it's $30 per hundred. And when you're looking at that with your employees and what it costs to be in business and competition, I've seen people just fold, just boom, just walk away.
0: And that's why safety is important.
1: Safety is important. Safety is not third. Regardless of what you hear, safety is not the hurt.
0: So I got another note um, that we were kind of talking about earlier for this one. And it kind of goes into this, like, what if you are very risky and say you need to go into the risk pool? Like, what is that? Okay.
1: Because of the, the grand bargain of, the, of people having to buy workers' comp and the workers' comp market being an open market with for-profit insurance companies doing it, Occasionally, you get to some classes of business that for-profit insurance companies don't want to do. And or they look at a for-profit, the for-profit insurance company looks at the company that has the 300 experience mod and, and they say, say no, thank no, you. no, thank you. We're not going to make any money on that. Yeah. There's a system in the state of Oregon and in most states where there's an assigned risk pool where the state actually will assign you an insurance company and the state becomes 100% responsible for the claims for your business. And this is a, a, another layer, another process in the, in the whole workers' comp world. And if you are in the assigned risk pool, your insurance rates are probably between 30 and 50% more than they were if you're in an open market, but you have to have a workers' comp and you can buy workers' comp. So that's what they say and says, well, if you don't like it, then don't hire employees. That's pretty much the assigned risk pools attitude thing, you know,
0: we, or found, we found you something, you we found take it or leave it. Take it or leave, it. It, or leave it. And yeah. there are some classes
1: of business that no private workers' comp company is willing to do, and they all go to the designer's pool. And private firefighters, an example, very hard to get into the, into the open market.
0: But they still have coverage because of but the risk they pool. Can so. get,
1: they can get a risk pool. So if, if someone says, I couldn't buy workers' comp if someone ever tells you that, you can look at them and you don't have to call them out verbally, but you can pretty much know that they're telling you a story. You can get Workers' Comp.
0: It just might be out of your budget.
1: <laughs> it could possibly be out of your budget.
0: Yeah, it might just be out of your budget, <laughs> but you can definitely get it. Yep. All right, what else? Sir? Uh, you know,
1: Workers' Comp, we could actually do a week worth of series on Workers' Comp. We could get into all kinds of the nuances. I think that we've hit you know, the highlights of workers' comp. And if you have any questions, pick up the phone, give us a call. We'll go through it and we'll spend the time so that you understand what's going on with it. Because so, you really do need to understand if you have employees.
0: Or if you're thinking of hiring employees, mm. it might not be a bad idea just to pick up the call, like phone and say, okay, not only am I calculating the cost of what the payroll is going to be for these employees, but now I have this additional insurance as well. Like, what is that going to cost me? Yep. And that might be part of your yeah. thinking before you hire
1: your first employee. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, you pay someone, you know, 20 bucks an hour, how much more are you going to actually have to contribute? Well, you have to 7% for social like, security tax. It's and, like there's
0: taxes and, too. You know,
1: there's taxes too. And and then all of a sudden is workers' comp going to be 10% of payroll or is it going to be 2% of payroll? Is it going to be 0.1% of payroll? If it's right now um, clerical workers, just people who do office work, or... Probably 20 cents per hundred of payroll. And
0: I mean, it's really hard to get really hurt. Well, fall over.
1: We've had claims, you know. Trip. Yeah, we've had people. The wheelie
0: chair was too wheelie.
1: Yeah, you know, (laughs) people in our office, we actually have had a, actually, Bancorp Insurance, one of our employees had a claim once. Oh, geez. Yep. And wasn't serious, but it was a claim. We turned it in just like you're supposed to. And that person got the care they needed and came back to work. Still work for us today. All right. That's the way it's supposed to work. That's the way it's
0: supposed to work. Work. Yeah. All right. If you're interested in workers' comp or have more questions, you can find us on our website, BancorpInsurance.com. You can call us at 1-800-452-6826, or you can email us, Bancorp at BancorpInsurance.com. So many ways to reach out. Thank you so much for listening.